This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're continuing our tour of the world about data localization. Let's uh, summarize uh, what that really means, data localization, sometimes called data nationalism or data nationalization, is a practice where uh, when personal or, for that matter, company data about something uh, has to be kept uh, when it's originally collected within the borders of a specific country. You localize the data. This is often done by national law, specifically about this or about data privacy, uh, uh, either way. And uh, this is controversial because on the one hand, governments have an interest in protecting the personal uh, information of their citizens and residents uh, and uh, can be quite skeptical about what happens when that gets to other countries where there may be people beyond uh, uh, police uh, power that uh, do bad things with people's data. So that's one side of it. Also, some governments want to control a population more than uh, uh, some other countries might do uh, for, in their view, good reasons. Uh, so th th that's on one side of it. On the other side, then, what happens when you have very robust companies uh, that provide global services and can do it very well. And uh, why, why shouldn't they be able to, to uh, use information that uh, flows across borders or for that matter, people on Facebook or otherwise? Why, if, if we start to localize all data, we really wouldn't have an internet anymore. So, so far we've looked at uh, China and India and Russia. These are countries that regulate uh, data and have data localization laws that are fairly strict. Uh, and with me uh, each time, and again on this excursion to Australia, is my colleague uh, Hugo Nagashima. Hugo, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for letting me join again. And Hugo, you're licensed both in, as a lawyer, both uh, in Japan and in New York and uh, District of Columbia in the United States. So you deal in uh, data privacy matters and cross-border matters uh, all the time. So when we look at Australia, uh, historically a very free market, uh, free market oriented country, uh, uh, fewer restrictions there, no speed limits uh, in many parts of Australia. So do you find a contrast between how Australia is dealing with data localization and countries like China and Russia? So Australia is, I would say, on uh, the other side of the spectrum, I remember uh, we discussed the spectrum of how Russia, China, India line up. And Australia would be at the opposite side of the spectrum, which in general, there is no data localization requirement, um, but there are some ex exceptions to it. There's some exceptions. Now, Australia has one of the world's oldest uh, country uh, general laws on data privacy, going back to 19. Uh, 88, and this was before GDPR got created in the EU, uh, and uh, it, it, it's a little looser version, although very comprehensive, isn't it, uh, uh, about uh, the balance between personal privacy on the one side and, and public interest on the other. For example, uh, does Australia require consent uh, from individuals to collect their data? Well, Australia uses a more... Uh, broader, uh, so consent is very specific, but a broader requirement, which is uh, information can be collected if it's reasonably necessary. And that's quite different from express opt-in consent uh, or uh, the opt-out version. 
where if it's reasonably necessary to collect someone's personal information under the general Australian data privacy law, you could do that. But now you've mentioned some exceptions. And uh, how about medical information? Obviously, very sensitive information. Can that uh, be freely exported out of Australia when it deals with Australian residents? So that's the exception to the rule, which is um, the Australian residents' healthcare data is considered sensitive, and therefore uh, there is a data localization requirement. And are there any exceptions to that exception or to that rule? Uh, let's say Australian citizens uh, travel to other countries and want to be able to have uh, uh, an emergency room in some other country, a look at their Australian data. Are, 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 how does Australia deal with that? So that's where um, consent and some of the aspects that we talk about usually in the GDPR kicks in, which is you know whether there's adequacy in the country that the information is being transferred to and whether uh, the data transfer is necessary for performance of a contract. Some of, some of the... Um, the requirements that GDPR has has already been built into the Australian exception, as you, you may say. So the exception to the exception is what the GDPR has as an exception for transfer of data. And one would be if the individual in Australia wants its uh, his or her uh, uh, data to be exported for medical reasons, then they're able, able to do it. But if, on the other hand, a medical uh, software company uh, just wants to gather a lot of Australian resident data and is not in Australia, uh, what would it have to do to be able to gather such data and, and use it for business purposes? They would have to get consent from each individual, or they would have to show that, uh, let's say that the company is at, at a country that has a very similar data privacy regime, so they could show adequacy, or somehow that the um, the company and whatever the data, the, the, the transferee of the data have some type of agreement with a contract. But I would think there would at least need to be some form of consent from the individuals to export the data. And if such a global company wanted to establish a presence in Australia, a uh, open a subsidiary, for example, or register a branch, then it's subjecting itself to Australian laws about that. And then does that work? Uh, the mere fact they're foreign owned wouldn't uh, uh, wouldn't be a problem? Right. So under the Australia's um, 1988 law, that would create an Australian link and they would have to follow the Australian data privacy laws. And I would think if the subsidiary wanted to transfer data outside, um, there would be something similar to a binding corporate rules type structure uh, to allow the information to be transferred out. Um, but again, um, if there is a subsidiary, uh, the subsidiary will have to follow the Australian privacy law. And that's where the protection is held. Very good. So that's how Australia strikes uh, the balance, some flexibility with that. How, how about uh, credit information? Uh, how, is that an exception to the, uh, the general uh, rule that allows uh, cross-border flows of data? Right. So credit eligibility, which is you know different from healthcare, which which is more financial information, that is also an exception uh, to the rule, which which is the data must be localized in Australia. Right. Now, outside of those, uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened to the company. Clearview. Do you want to share that story with us and what happened to it uh, and Australia? 
Sure. Um, so in order to understand um, what happened to it in Australia, uh, the, the news is that Clearview is an AI company that works with law enforcement agency and government agencies to uh, basically determine uh, a biometric, you know, facial recognition is one example of it, you know, biometric information about individuals and how Clearview would train its AI was unique and that it would data scrape. And by data scrape, what it does is it would go to, you know, social media sites or, you know, Google images and collect the facial features of individuals that's available to the public. And then they would take that information and run it through their machine learning program so that their AI would learn the facial features of individuals. Uh, Australia basically said that that is against the Australian data protection law and Clearview AI would have to delete uh, a certain images of Australian residents in their database. Even though Clearview did, had no uh, permanent establishment or uh, no subsidiary in Australia, we said, wait a minute, the, we're collecting images that are public on the web. So, you know, we're, for example, Facebook, uh, I'm sure many, many photos of Australians on Facebook. And all they're doing is taking, in that sense, a public uh, photo, uh, public information, in their view, Clearview's that happens to be uh, of an Australian, and uh, what's wrong with that? That's sort of Clearview's position. And Australia says, we don't care because you're dealing with our citizens' uh, facial uh, characteristics, and uh, unless you comply with our laws, you can't do that. That that was the basic dispute, right? That is. That is the gist, and that is the argument that was made by Clearview. Uh, The Australian regulators, however, said, doesn't matter, still collecting Australian Australian residents' data, and therefore, it must be deleted. And one can see the the, the difference in interest here. Australia, legitimate point of view, an Australian company would have to abide by Australian law if it competed with Clearview, and Clearview wouldn't have to apply uh, to the same standards if it were allowed to do this. And uh, so that's the one side of it. On the other hand, uh, Clearview is saying, wait a minute, we're locked out of a global market uh, with uh, global images that we can see publicly. So it's a legitimate uh, legitimate debate, and one can see uh, both sides of, of this one. Well, the Australian law has been on the books uh, 33 years now. We're uh, recording this in December 2021. And uh, what changes uh, are, are we apt to see within Australia uh, to uh, the existing law? So uh, just recently, the, uh, the Attorney General in Australia has released a draft bill which would update the Australian privacy laws. And the updates are, uh, as you may expect, uh, very similar to those in the GDPR, which would require an expanding scope of personal information definition, a purpose limitation, a framework for uh, international data, data flows, and increased penalties, and extraterritorial coverage, Ex- exactly the issue that uh, Clearview is, uh, has brought up and Australia is trying to say, hey, we wanna move to a GDPR type extraterritorial regime. So uh, it will be interesting to see how Australia will adopt uh, these uh, drafted bills uh, or how they will modify it to make it more Australian. But what we're seeing is a move more towards a GDPR type scheme where 
um, again, it's more of free transfer of data flows rather than let's just limit the data, localize it in Australia. Free but limited, and that's really the evolution we saw in Europe where the uh, privacy directive as it was before GDPR became a binding law by regulation throughout the EU, uh, started with a very much a data, you have to have a server in Europe holding data. And, uh, and then that changed with GDPR to say, subject to certain rules where you're protecting essential interests of our residents about their activities in Europe. Uh, okay, uh, US companies, uh, companies anywhere in the world, as long as they follow our rules as to our residents, then we'll allow it. And, and perhaps we'll see that happening uh, within Australia. Very good. Well, Hugo, thank you for this tour of uh, Australia and data localization. And we'll come back to it uh, next time with the country of Singapore. So until then, I'll remind us all, protecting your personal data starts with you. <laughs>